Welcome to Conversations with Toy, a blogcast tackling life one episode at a time. This is the time to air out life's craziest moments. This space is all about speaking about life's hang-ups and ways in which we can leave better than when we started. Topics are all about ways we can find space to be better in life, love, mental space and health. Today's episode is brought to you by Azuth. Azuth is a Boston-based, woman-owned supplement company that makes premium quality supplements for women with the mission to help people reach their highest potential without the harmful side effects of over-the-counter medications. Their newest supplement, Boss Flow, is a PMS gummy that helps every woman be a boss no matter what day of the month it is. These little gummies are packed full of delicious blasts of strawberry flavor and powerful vitamins and nutrients to help soothe menstrual cramps, stop bloating, and balance out hormonal mood swings and acne symptoms that are often caused by periods. Trust us, we've heard these really work. Boss Flow is exclusively offering our listeners 10% off your next purchase by going to Amazon.com, searching for Boss Flow Gummies and using the code Boss Flow. That's code B O S S F L O W to get 10% off your purchase at checkout. You need to have an Amazon or Amazon Prime account to get these delicious gummies. Order Boss Flow supplements for boss women on the go. Happy Friday. What an amazing week. I know I said amazing and I meant it. It has been of course, it's always a long week. I don't think there's ever a time when there's not necessarily a long week. But it is what it is. And this week for me had its slow moments, but we got through it. There's a lot of great things happening. Um, if you this is your first time listening, my name is Toy. And I am obviously your host for today in my show. I want to welcome you. If this is your first time, please don't let it be your last come back, listen, review, share, subscribe, all of the things, because we are here to make sure we provide a great safe space for you. And we talk about things that a lot of people kind of shy away from. And that's quite all right, because life kind of is messy at times. And we're here. So Thank you for joining in, tuning in, listening in, all of the greatness, because again, we are here to surface you and just be a place for just great conversation. I have quite a lot to talk about. It's amazing how amazingly slowish this week has been, but there was a lot of fires that were being burnt this week. And listen, we got to talk about it because a lot of these things that are happening, believe it or not, they affect us. Whether you want to say that they affect you or not, I promise you they do. And so it's amazing how I'm just reading people's comments and things that's going on. And listen, <laughs> life is coming at us hard. So let's just talk about a couple of things. So I, you know, sometimes, oftentimes, 
some people will slide into my social media. I don't necessarily have a special social media for conversations with Toy. I don't feel that that's necessary. I am also a blogger. So if you would like to follow me on social media, you can follow me at Toy Time Blog. That's T-O-I-T-I-M-E Blog. I'm there on all the social media things, Pinterest, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everything, right? So you can follow me there. And I do obviously post about the the podcast. So slide on in there. So from time to time, I'll get people sending me messages saying things like, Oh, what is your podcast go to's? I have all the go to's as far as my favorites. And then I also get questions like how do I go about like, what's my podcast ritual? I believe that most podcasters have their own ritual. For me, my podcast ritual is pretty simple. I obviously need something to drink because, you know, talking and putting out this information, it can get a little dry sometimes. So I love to have something to drink, preferably something hot. Today, I'm not. (laughs) Um, I have a cold drink from Starbucks. And you know what? Starbucks, y'all can come on here and sponsor this podcast. That's completely okay with me. But um, I am a Starbucks drinker. So today I have my Starbucks drink. I'm really excited about that. It's the new Kiwi Refresher. It's amazing. It's not too sweet. It has a little bit of a bite, a little bit of bitter to it. It's great. And um, I have to have a blanket because normally when I record, it's just freezing. I'm generally a very cold person. So I have my blanket. I have all of my equipment and I have something to drink. My phone is always on silence and I try to make it as quiet as I possibly can. But that is the ritual. It's very simple. Something to drink and stay comfortable. Um, That is my ritual. But I enjoy doing this and putting this podcast together. It has been a dream of mine for quite some time. And so I'm glad to take it. I call it a blog cast because as a blogger, I feel like this is an extension of how I write into how I talk. So it's just a blog cast. A lot of people have been trying to take my words. It's mine. I'm about to coin that because blog cast is now my thing. So we're going to just keep that going. But this week has been a little strange. So I want to talk about Bill Cosby because I feel like at this point, I don't know any podcaster, any blogger, anybody that pretty much has a pulse is not talking about it. I was completely taken by shock, which I'm sure you and the rest of the world was as well when our phone had got this huge alert and it's like breaking news Bill Cosby's uh conviction is over you know overturned or whatever or vacated I should say and I was in utter shock let me tell you why I think that we keep missing the premise that this is not a case of he said she said right in normal cases, unfortunately, with sexual abuse, you'll have the victim who's stating that they were victimized, and then you have the perpetrator who denies it all. In this particular case, Bill Cosby was clear, and you can look it up yourself, where he states that he had given several women um, drugs and had sex with them. Now, his argument that has been consensual, but we have to also understand If you're giving somebody something by which they cannot clearly and definitively make a decision, anytime drugs or alcohol or anything is put into play, especially when you're giving the the victim drugs and alcohol and specifically for them to be either calm or so that you can take advantage of them, it's automatically, by definition, rape. 
And so you can label it as sexual abuse. You can count, put all these different counts on it. It's still a violation. So when I'm reading the, the information stating that Bill Cosby clearly admitted out of his own mouth that he did this. And then his first few statements of him being out says, I have always maintained my innocence. Now, I know back in his time, people just considered that these things like giving women drugs was no big thing. But it's not been right then, and it's definitely not right now. If you give a person drugs, whether they're knowingly or not, and you take advantage of them, and you're not getting a clear consent, that is rape, right? Degrees of rape, uh, sexual assault, whatever you would like to call it, it is still rape. It is still wrong. So my problem with Bill Cosby is... You can't go into a deposition and say, I did these things and then come out and say, and I maintain my innocence. Innocence and doing are two different things and they don't exactly align together. So I have a problem with people who are rejoicing, excited. Yes, he's old. He can come out and all these other things. I have a problem with that because his age and stage don't change his bad behavior. Like all of us, I myself have done things by which my stage, who I knew, uh, my, you know, affluency, my influence may have only got me so far, but I still had to take responsibility for the actions that I played in whatever that I've done, small, big, medium, all of it. And so it should not have changed for Bill Cosby. And I think the bigger issue is if you're able to have such a high profile case have this standing and I even read that he may even have the ability to then sue Montgomery County. Basically he ends up getting not necessarily scot-free, but free-ish because if you already had to put so much money out with civil suits and you're able to recoup even some of that back because of a, 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 a mix up, a technicality, I think that's wrong. And as a woman and as a mother, I know that I myself have been victimized many a times and I would hate to see that my, uh, the person who violated me was basically able to go to jail, serve under three years, come out and be like, and I'm innocent, but you stated that you already admitted the, the guilt. I don't think people realize the setback that that has for women and especially women who have been a victim of sexual abuse, um, who have been sexually victimized in some form. It is a complete slap in the face. It is a huge step back. His affluence and who he is and his age does not negate, doesn't negate what he's done. You know, it's like if you were promiscuous as a young person, you know, and you're however your age is, 20, 30, because you could be promiscuous all your life. It's up to you, right? When you get married, it doesn't all of a sudden negate the fact that you were promiscuous as a young kid or a young person or a young woman, a young man, like it doesn't clear it. So I, I, I need us to understand that just because he is stating that he believes he's innocent. And I, I don't know where he's basing that information from when he gave the deposition that said he did it. My problem is, is with him as well. His team, I mean, they're going to, his team has been paid or being paid to do what they do. You know, everybody, my mom always told me and it's not made, doesn't make it right. But if you get a good lawyer, you can get out of anything. So his, his law, his law team is doing what they're supposed to do. I just think that it just is a slap in the face. And again, I personally just don't think that because of his age or stage and his affluence that that doesn't negate him being able to serve his time. And I get it. He was in jail for under three years. And so he did some time and 
But the way that the case went down and just the way that it shook, if it was to the point where he was sentenced for three years and had served two and a half, that's different. It would be messed up that all the time he got, but he would have at least served for him to have gotten a lot longer than that and then only have served a little bit of the time that he got and then had his sentence vacated. I think that is the slap, right? It's a slap. I agree that everyone should have their opinion. There are going to be some people who are in support and there are going to be some who are not. Felicia Rashad is getting drug to no end. I don't remember, and it could just be my own personal memory. I've told y'all before, my memory is just like Dory. It's very, very small. I will forget something, lay my keys down, forget it. So I don't remember or recall if she had made a statement from my own personal memory and I could be quite, 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 quite wrong. I don't remember her making a statement when he was sentenced. So I find it strange that she would have waited until now that he is out. And then I keep hearing things saying that this is justice because of him being black and that how so many black men have gone to jail and have been, you know, persecuted to no end. Meaning, like, for instance, as an example, you have a, a white man and a, and a black man both did the same crime and a white man goes to jail for a lot longer. But the black man gets a lot longer for like, let's say weed. I 100 percent agree with that. I don't think that can be used in this case because if he's admitted to doing these things, then what is the justice? What, what justice is he receiving? Um, I kind of believe that people are still stuck on him being in the Cosby show. People are stuck on him when he was a philanthropist. We have to understand he was doing all of these great things, giving America great um, anecdotes. He was giving us, you know, things to aspire to. And even with all of these great things, he was still being problematic on the, on the back end, right? You know, there's a lot of people who have these great things that they have done and then have these demons that they fight that don't always align with the character that they project. And so that to me, we have to look at that because that means you're fully aware of your character that you're projecting. You know, what's on the line and you're willing to still take that chance. Right. At any time, he could have been arrested and had this go down when he was a lot younger, because from the things that I've read, there was several women who have come forward. And, you know, I've said this almost every pet podcast. Everybody is not telling the same lie. I stand by that. My mother has taught me that from a child and everybody can't tell the same lie. So we keep continuously having this happen. He's admitted on record that he has done this. I honestly just don't understand how we're rallying behind him. He's 84, I believe, or about to be 84. I don't know what to say. I don't know what his level of, you know, we always as humans are looking for a level when someone does something to say, I feel vindicated. I don't know what that's going to look like. Here on earth, it really looks like he is Tootsie Rolling um, on a wink and a prayer and really out here, you know, doing good with his life. He's able to do the things that he knows is not okay. He knows it's wrong and still, you know, get away with it. So I don't know what that's going to look like for here on earth. I honestly cannot tell you what I will say is I just feel bad for the victims. I feel that bad for the victims who spoke out and decided to come up. I feel bad for the victims who never spoke up and had this happen and are feeling empty. I feel bad for victims who are not a part of the Cosby case who have been victimized by the court system. Cause let me tell you something as a female, let me tell you something right now. If you've never been victimized or had anything like this happen to you, you as a victim are put on trial. They will discard your character to the nth degree. 
when you go to get a rape kit, they take every inch of pictures and pretty much almost re-violate you all over again. It's not something that is to be happy about. People are saying, well, you know, these victims got paid off. You don't understand the, the mental turmoil, turmoil that it takes when you come up and you say somebody violated me and the way that the system, in order to gather their information, to gather the the, the information to go against your pro the person who's violated you only for them to basically get a slap on the wrist, you know, probation or house arrest or something small. It's a very debilitating thing. And I feel like women of all people should understand that because at some point we've had something. Unfortunately, there's a lot of women who's had a lot of things that's happened to them. So I don't understand women who don't get that. You cannot then support a known rapist, a known person who has done these things and then say, but I stand with victims. I think that is insensitive. And I think that's why the world is in uproar um, right now with Felicia Rashad. Listen, I always respect um, Felicia Rashad as a woman. I have loved her character, obviously on the um, Cosby show and even beyond. She's always presented herself as a woman of class, a woman of honor. So for her to say that, I, I'm, I'm sure without making excuses for her, that it has a lot to do with her friendship with Cosby. And maybe too, because she didn't go through these violating things, it's easier for her to not see a problem, but it still doesn't change the, how problematic it is. Like it doesn't change it. And that's the sad part. That's the disheartening part is that this is so, so much bigger than Bill Cosby. But because it's Bill Cosby, it's just another level of him being able to get around his foolishness, period. And again, I stand with victims because I could never look my daughters in the face and they had something like this happen to them. And I'm making statements supporting their, their accuser. I could never do it. And I could never do it, whether it was them or somebody else. Like that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's wife, that's somebody's mother who has experienced this. And, you know, we weren't there, right? But when somebody says they did something, I mean, we don't have to be there to know that. This man has already said, yep, that was me, I did it. And then there was some deal that was made on the side that says, okay, now you did it, let's go ahead and pay this money, and then we're not going to do whatever. But then... They turn around and was able to come put enough evidence together. And then that's what they're saying is the injustice because you should have never did that. Sir, ma'am, he still was guilty. Rather, he he was just guilty, period. And why? Because he also said he was. He has said it. It's crazy because a lot of victims end up fighting for the he said, she said. And you have him saying it and it's still not enough. So I don't want to take up the whole time with that, but I have to state that because again, it's one of the topics that are happening this week. And not only because it's a topic, but as a woman, as a podcaster, do you know how many mental health problems that women have gone through by being victimized? Do you understand how that works? Do you not understand when we're talking about, when I talk about mental health care and I'm talking about self-care, you know, these are hard traumatic situations that people need therapy for. I'm the hugest, biggest advocate of women and men, all people getting therapy and the amount of therapy, the amount of costs and the things that goes down with that for the rest of your life, dealing with this traumatic situation. And even when the victims are getting to the point where they're like, okay, I can get past this. I can get through this. Guess what? <laughs> they can't because they get re-victimized again by the court system. And that's just the truth of it. It's unfortunate and it's sad. And I just like to see how this is going to pan out throughout the next couple of weeks. Because again, you know, this story is not going to die down that very easily. Anything that Cosby does, anything that he says, and, and the audacity for me is that he's just like maintaining a innocence. You can't, did you, 
it's like, I know he's older, but it's like, did you forget you said what you said? Nobody in his team is even like acknowledging that. But I'm telling you right now, I read the whole thing myself and it clearly states that he said what he said. So that to me is just a huge problem, but we'll just see how this goes. Last week, we talked about relationships and boundaries, specifically with friendships. Knowing when to not allow someone to dump on you is extremely serious and it's something that you should not take lightly. People are very, um, I think they're more inclined to dump because they don't even see that they're dumping on you. So we talked a lot about that last week. And this week I wanted to talk about relationships. I will have my husband back on the show before the end of this particular season. I know we have a lot of things that's happening, but when you're talking about mental health care and you're talking about trying to navigate the the mental health system and even just on a uh, day to day was just you and your partner, you and your friend, you and whomever sitting beside you, um, trying to, you know, live out life and you're struggling and your partner is not, I have talked about this before, but I want to dig a little deeper about how frustrating it is and how frustrating it can be when you feel as if you have, or you're attempting to get yourself together. You're aware, you may not be 100% sure about what it is that's happening. Your partner may necessarily, may not necessarily have any of these issues. And now you're stuck by yourself, hoping that your partner, your friends, your family members will guide you to what the help should be. And nine times out of 10, they're not going to understand. Nine times out of 10, they're not going to know what to do, how to facilitate help, because how do they even know where to start? Right. And everybody is telling everybody to get therapy, which again, I will say I'm 100% about getting therapy. But then the process of is, is who, what therapy do I get? What therapist should I look for? What should I look for in a therapist? What makes a good therapist? What makes a good, a good therapist or bad therapist? And those are things that are completely subjective, which means that even though my line of what I feel a good therapist would be, it may not be a good fit for you. And I think that's one of the good things that you have to think about when you're doing therapy, you have to find a therapist that's a great fit. You need someone that can call you out and make you consider other, other parts of the story that you're not able to see, because a lot of times we come in already emotionally drained. We're coming in already emotionally burdened. And you're talking to someone else who has to sift through all of that to try to give you the help that you need. And remember, a therapist is giving you tools. They're giving you tools for the next time something feels like something that triggered you. When something feels like when it gets close to something that mimics something that you've been through. If you've been somebody who has felt like everybody has turned their back on you, how do you then get past that? When somebody says, I can't do something right now, you interpret or hear that as they don't want to be bothered with you at all. And that's what happens. You have to learn new tools to be able to hear things differently, to hear things clearly, to receive messages that are not always in a great package. When your partner is telling you something about yourself, and I've talked about this before too, I have had times when my own husband has said, okay, Latoy or toy, this is what's happening. And you're like, no, nah, that's not me. That's not. and then you shut yourself off from listening. A lot of times that don't be, that's not because you refuse that you're refusing to hear. You just can't see it. You're seeing things from the blinders by which you have on you. So it's hard to say, okay, my partner is just trying to tell me things and two, how your partner says it. I want someone who's listening right now to just take five seconds to hear me very clearly. 
although we come into the situation with our blinders on, with our, our bags already, you know, it's there, we got them all packed up to the, the heart of our, the window of our heart. Sometimes we can't hear. Sometimes it's the delivery by which you give it. If you want to call out your spouse in a way that you believe is going to be helpful, then you have to be sensitive and understanding to the needs of what they need. So if you know that yelling at them is not going to be a way that they're going to receive, which FYI, I tell my children the same thing. I've tried to do the best that I can to walk back yelling because even if you're right about something, even if you're right, when you come in the door or come into the situation yelling, the person no longer is able to receive the message. Even if the message is correct, you need time for people to calm down and then have a conversation. And so you also have to be very aware about the delivery of the messaging and in romantic relationships, it's almost like you don't want to hurt that person's feelings. You don't want to be hurt by your partner. And sometimes we'll interpret things that are being said as done as somebody that's coming against you. My husband and I's biggest issue, and this could be just us, was seeing him as an equal team member instead of seeing us as we're on a team, but he's the team member that's stronger. So then I take a step back, right? When your mental health is not there, you see yourself as a team, but one person seems stronger than the other. So the person who seems to be the weaker one will take a step back. They won't necessarily verbalize that they're upset or if they do it, they do it in an unhealthy way. Or the person who seems to be the stronger one will take advantage of the situation and then just try to run the situation however they want. It can take one way or the other. So just be very careful about how you're delivering something when you're dealing with someone who's dealing with a mental health issue that you're not becoming a part of the problem because you're choosing to deliver the message in a way that only suits you. One thing about relationships is that people come in there into situations wanting to love the person the way they choose to love that person. But I'm going to give you a little bit of a news, little news flash. If you choose to love someone, you have to be sure, are you willing to give them the love that they need versus the love that you just want to give, right? That's huge. Loving the person the way that they need to be loved versus the way you just want to give them the love. Everybody talks about learning your partner's love language. And I tell you right now, it's a benefit to you. And when you're dating someone prior to getting married to them, you need to understand, are you willing? Are you two compatible to love each other the way that each other needs? We have to stop coming to the table and into the door, hoping that we're going to love the person the way we're choosing to love. Because the way that we're choosing to love a person is a lot of times it's all packaged up by the way that we were raised, by the things that we have seen in other relationships, the things that we see on TV and other social media. It has all of these different waves that come along with it. But when you meet someone and they meet you, this is why it takes a while to learn the real person because people send their best representative in the very beginning of dating. And you have to unravel all of that to get to the real essence of a person. And then when you get there, you have to make that decision. Can you love them the way they need to be loved? I think if more people ask that question instead of just saying, I love you, but then do you really, are you giving that person the love that they need? That's the big question. I know I wasn't giving my husband the love that he needed. I was giving him the love that I felt that he needed to get. But when you don't have authentic, clear conversations, 
everybody's just coming in there with just the I love you's. And I love you's is very cute, but I love you's are, they come with a lot of other things, other layers that you have to be really clear that you're okay with giving them that love that they need. So I just always want to preface that when we're talking about relationships. And this is also too with friendships. People change over the years and people's needs also change over the years. You are not married to the same person that you married a year ago. You're not looking at the same person that you dated or married like 15 years ago. People are going through changes daily, monthly, yearly, weekly, all of those things. So as you get to these different stages of change, when you look at that person, are you able to love them through this new phase and this new change, this new stage of life that they're in? And that's when people start saying, oh, we went, we just went apart. It's because as the changes went down, there might have been less communication about how that love may needed to be shown, how that love needed to be received. And that's when you see people going one way and another person going another. I'm no relationship expert. I'm not telling you that I am. I'm just telling you from experience that a lot of times we are coming in the door with our own preconceived notion about what that other person needs. And sometimes, a lot of times, our partner is actually telling us, but we're still hearing it from our hearing. We only hear it from us. We hear what they're saying. We physically hear them, but we're not receiving the message. So I wanted to talk about social media accountability. And what I mean by that is when you are posting things, especially if you're posting, you know, things about other people, listen, there's a lot of things on the internet that are hilarious. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm not laughing at some of these things that I'm not seeing some of these things. Cause I am, there's no, even no sense of lying about it, but you have to make the decision that when you're showcasing something, especially when it's some, a person or someone you don't know, you have to be willing to also take responsibility for that. For instance, we were talking about Monique, what, almost two weeks a row in a row. Now Monique is at it again. She posted a picture of a plus size uh, black woman who had on, it looked like a bonnet, shorts. They looked like pajamas. I'm not sure. It just wasn't a good look. Um, I'm not posting that just so you can see what I'm talking about. You can go ahead and get on your Google, get on your social media, Bob, you can find it. So everyone is upset and rightfully so that woman did not have the opportunity to say that she wanted to be on there. Now, the other flip of that is, of course, when you go outside, this is a cell phone world. Everyone has a phone. They are going to record. So part of that too is if you're going to go outside, look in whatever way that you choose in a world of cell phones um, video cameras and, and the, and the likes, you have to also be willing to take the good with the bad. I think the problem is, is that Monique is a person who has a very big platform that could use the platform for good. Sometimes she chooses to do so. Sometimes she chooses not to, according to, if you let everyone else tell you that my issue is that that young lady now, although it was just the, the, the picture of her from behind, there's somebody in this world that knows who that woman is. There's somebody who knows her, who now knows she's all on social media, looking the way that she looks. And again, that may be have been her choice. She knew she was going out into the world. So she's out there with her bonnet on. She has her pajamas on. She looks a little disheveled. Again, her choice. Um, and so now the question is, because it was her choice, is it a problem that she chose to go out there and someone snapped a picture? Should you be going out the door knowing that somebody may see you? 
When I was growing up, my mom was very serious about going outside looking a hot mess. That's what she would say. Don't go out here looking a hot mess. Put your hair together. Put some good clothes on because even if you go to the grocery store around the corner, you're most likely going to run into someone that you know. So that's how I grew up. Um, I still operate in that because I'm okay with that. For me, I'm not the type of person that you would just see randomly outside in my PJs or anything like that. It would have to be of a serious nature. And you know why too? Because there's too much loungewear that's mad cute for us to be out here doing that. But that's my choice. I have never made that choice everyone else's choice. However, I would never want to do something that I felt was going to be completely embarrassing to somebody by posting it on my social media and on my platform because social medias are platforms. Whether you are an influencer, a blogger, a celebrity, it's a platform and it should be used with some sort of responsibility. And so I feel bad for that young lady because now everybody is literally clowning her to some extent or, you know, getting on Monique to some extent. And Monique has been very defiant on the fact that basically, oh, well, she chose to come out that way and somebody sent the picture to me. Do you know how many times people send the pictures to me of stuff? I have text messages of we have a I have a whole family chat. I have friends that we are in groups. Um, I have a best friend, one of my best friends who we talk and Kiki and all we do is send stuff back and forth via DMs and text messages. Like we will literally talk on a text and then send each other a DM about something. And that's all we do all we do and some stuff I will repost if I think it's funny or if it's relevant or whatever the case may be but I also know that when I go to post it I have to take the responsibility of why I posted that Monique is just Monique is being Monique Monique is Monique Monique has always been Monique she's always been that way I don't I don't foresee her changing so I think in one respect we should use it as an example of what maybe not to do and again, if you're willing to ride that wave of, you know, people saying anything about you, you got to have a thick skin because people are going to come. This social media life and the social media world, it's a lot of scrutiny with it. Everybody will scrutin every aspect of everything that you do. And that's why people personally need to be aware of what they post. If you post your business and you're breaking up with your boyfriend every 2.3 seconds, and then you can't then say, I want everybody to stay out of my business. You can't say that you can, but it doesn't make sense because you're putting your business out there. So I just want us to just be more aware and more understanding of our social responsibility. And again, like my mom would say, if you say it, stand by it. Or like Kevin Hart would say, say it with your chest. If you're going to put it out there, then go ahead and stand on it because people are going to come for you and you got to be willing to take that. And now it is 4th of July weekend. Yep. The red, white, and blue weekend. Everybody is going to have one red, white, and blue for the most part. People are going to be cooking out at the beach, on vacation, snapping pictures, eating good food, drinking good drinks. And I'm here for the good food, the good drinks, and family and friends time. I've always been. Um, personally, for me, it's going to be pretty much low key. I'll be at a birthday party um, of some good friends. And for the rest of the weekend, to be honest with you, I plan to be laying completely low next week I will be having surgery um, next Wednesday so if you want to send a quick prayer go ahead and do that I'm here for that so I'm going to be pretty much getting my house and stuff ready for that I have no other intentions of like turning up outside of like you know a couple of cocktails in my house 
That's what I will be doing. So I don't know what you guys are going to be doing for the 4th of July, but for the 4th of July, it's always been family. It's either been family or friends or laying low. I honestly, since the pandemic, to be honest with you, I can sit in the house with my five and be straight, like not do anything, not go anywhere, just have the most relaxing time. Because to be honest with you, with running the blog and then having to run social media for the blog, if social media didn't exist and I just had my blog, it wouldn't even be that, that hard because, you know, writing the blogs, editing them, I do them, I edit and blog about maybe once or twice a week at best. If I didn't have to have social media accompany my blog, that's totally different. But doing those things together is a full-time job. And I don't understand why people don't understand that as well. Listen, by the time you write the blog and it'll self-post itself, I set that up to do that. After it's posted, then you have these other avenues by which to draw people back to the blog. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of energy. It's a lot of planning. It's a lot of work. So for me, when I get a, a time to just kind of lay low, I do just that. I am in no rush, no hurry, no, no problems of just plain old relaxing. So for all of the people who are going to be traveling and seeing friends and seeing family, having drinks, doing the sparklers, just be careful. This is one of the holidays where people go to the hospital the most. And unfortunately, with me living in Philadelphia, it's probably one of the most, well, I can't even say it's the most crime time because here in Philadelphia has been out of pocket and out of control with our death and injury um, rates has been out of pocket. So my whole prayer is for Philadelphia and beyond to be safe for this holiday, to do things safely, to not be hit by a drunken driver, to not have any of these things happen, because unfortunately, those are real realities. Um, every time I leave my house, it's a blessing to actually come back. You know, all that year that we spent at home, you know, everybody was, a, for, for the most part, you know, those who didn't go through COVID, you know, for the most part, we were at home, we were somewhat safe, or we were struggling with the safety of just living and surviving. And then it's like, as soon as you go outside, that's another level of things that you have to consider. So relaxation, relaxation is on the horizon for the 4th of July weekend, preparing for surgery. It's not a major surgery. So, you know, I'm grateful for that. But I still have a family that needs the house has to be prepared things have to get situated and ready my husband is going to be amazing he always is um this is probably i want to say maybe like the fifth or sixth time that i've had some form of major surgery or any surgery at all i won't say major but just any surgery and my husband does perfectly well you know i get that i get tired of people saying that men are babysitting their kids uh, my husband does not babysit his own kids he is with his children and will then help his his wife i.e I, me uh nurse me back to health like a husband is supposed to um this concept of babysitting your own children doesn't exist women don't babysit their kids and neither do men either men are either going to be hands-on with their families and their children or they're not. And let me just say as a newsflash, nine times out of 10, I don't care if my husband don't do it just like I do it. I don't care if he doesn't cook the food like I cook it. It doesn't matter if he doesn't wash the clothes like I wash it. You know what I won't do? I will never tell him how wrong he did, how off it was. Because let me tell you something. When you tell a, a man about how he's not doing something right, you, he, he may get to the point where he's like, I don't want to do it then. And not that he can just run around here saying what he's not going to do, but at the same token, you don't want someone to feel like they're actually helping you and they discover that you're like, everything is wrong because their desire to just 
jump up and do, it ain't going to be there. So my husband doesn't have to wash the clothes like I do. He doesn't have to cook the food like I do. But I'm grateful that he's always there to do it. And let me also say this too. My husband is the type of guy that is there's no there's no certain roles in our house by which he needs to be able to do like it's not like he's taking the trash out and I'm only one washing dishes and washing clothes. My husband takes of no issue of just stepping in and both of us we step in where things are necessary. We don't have this sense of there's women roles and men's role. We have what does this family need? What does this house need? If I'm not feeling well, my husband will go in right in there and fix dinner. If I'm if he's sick and he's unable, I will get in here, clean everything, lock the house down, do whatever has to be done because that's what families do. They pull together. I was seeing something on Facebook where there was a video of that same thing happening. So there was a wife, she was just had a new baby and she was tired. She was getting things situated. And so she went to lay the baby down and she took a nap. Well, while the baby was taking in, while the, both her, the wife and the baby was taking a nap, the husband got up and he was working from home. He got up and he cleaned everything that needs to be cleaned. And so when she woke up, you know, everything was done. All the things that she didn't get a chance to do were done. And everybody in the comment section was like, oh my gosh, this is a man. We need one like that. And I'm like, Lord, what is happening? What is going on that this is a shocker? For me, it wasn't a shock. That's what happens in my house. We just didn't make a video about it, right? Uh, my husband will vacuum. He will wash the dishes. He will sweep the floor and mop it. I will take the trash out. I will go run in the errands. I will take care of whatever needs to be taken care of because you are in a relationship and a relationship shouldn't necessarily be 50, 50. I believe it should be 100, 100. And that means 100% of both people are giving 100% of the energy that is necessary to make the home run the way that it needs to run. I have, I go out to events because I am a blogger and I'm being invited to different events throughout the city. My husband has no problem of taking care of making sure he's feeding his children. Cause again, he's not babysitting them. We, they belong to the both of us. He'll run me to the event and come home and take care of all the things so that when I get home from the event, nine times out of 10, the house is put together. And that's all that matters. Even if the house isn't put together, right? Even if the dishes weren't clean and things had weren't always perfectly done that way. We are still two individual people who have come together and decided to be on the same team. And when you're on the team, when you see somebody that can't do or won't do, or maybe they're going through something and they're just in a rut, you just take up the slack. That's what a team does. You push off of each other's energy and you make it work. If we both want to win, which has always been our goal for both of us to win, then sometimes when one is down, the other one is up. And that's even emotionally in our marriage. Um, I have times when obviously I have my down moments and he has his and I'm coming right there in the rear. Like, come on, I can encourage you to get back up. My husband, let me just go ahead and give him his five seconds because he deserves it. He's been out here taking these walks and doing some jogging and really trying to get his health together. And I'm right there at that front door clapping, like literally clapping, like, sir, I see you. Congratulations. Do your, do you, I'm here to support your health initiatives. I'm here to support your mental health. I'm here to support you doing well. And guess what? He does the same for me. He'll see me close a deal and be like, yes, high five that. Let's celebrate that. And we had decided after so much turmoil that we've had in our marriage. And when I say turmoil, just so many ups and downs, because that's what happens in a marriage. And especially when you've been with someone for so long, we decided that we are going to celebrate 
everything, big or small. And we have made the decision to do that. I'm going to give you a secret that works for us. This may not work for you. When we start to celebrate the big and the small, I'm telling you right now, it sets the tone in our house. It sets the tone in our marriage because everybody wants to feel appreciated, right? Everybody wants to feel like they're doing something well. And for us, when my husband does something, he closed the deal a couple of days ago. We celebrate those things because it matters. Somebody that's in your court, that's bigging you up, that's supporting you, that's loving on you, that sees you. And when you're in your good and your bad, isn't that not what people want? Isn't that not what, what people desire to have is having that there may be quite roads to get to that. And I'm not supporting struggle love and all that other stuff. But what I am saying is that is at the end of the day, you want to come home to someone that's going to support your dreams. Tabitha Brown, we love Auntie, Auntie Tabitha Brown. I don't know. We're kind of like the same age. And I don't know why I keep calling her Auntie Tabitha Brown, but I'll tell you why. Because, you know, Southern women, they had that Southern vernacular. And to me, for me, she sounds like one of my great aunts. To me, her voice physically sounds like an aunt of mine's. And the tone by which she talks, as well as her wisdom, and the fact that she exudes, there's a lot of wise people that don't exactly exude wisdom. Like they be keeping the wisdom within themselves. But when they, when you see them, like they know better, but they don't always do better. When you see Tabitha Brown, at least the persona that we see online and on social media and just the things that she talks about, she exudes this wisdom that comes out even beyond just the, the, the mundane things. And so... When I hear her, she sounds like an aunt. So that's why I call her Auntie Tabitha Brown. But one thing about I, my one of my friends put me on to her. I had no idea she existed. Even as a vegan, I have been vegan for years, had never fully heard of her. Then I began to watch her videos of her cooking. And then from there, it went from that to this, you know, she got the cookbook. She got this. She has that. She's on TV. She was just on Black Love, the series. And hearing her story and the things that she's been through, I resonate with that. See, when you have so many things go wrong in your life and then your life starts to pan out good because you're putting good into the world, you resonate with people who do the same thing because you know you've been there. And so when I hear her and you're hearing this wisdom that's coming from her, it's very soothing. For instance, if you have the Calm app, that's Calm, C-A-L-M, she tells bedtime stories. And it's really her sharing her story about her being in North Carolina with her family, but her voice is super soothing that I've actually gone to sleep listening to her, to her stories. And this is not a plug for Calm, but they're more than welcome to sponsor as well. But with Calm, it's literally like an app that helps you relax, um, reset, as well as meditate. So I've been listening to it pretty heavily. And people get really up in arms about the way that she, I guess, delivers her messaging She's pretty calm in how she handles things. Now, her and Wendy Williams, Wendy Williams said something about basically her relationship because Tabitha decided to uh, retire her husband from working with the LAPD. Now, when you hear her their story on black love, then it makes more sense. So if you haven't or you've never seen, you don't have to be black to watch it. But black love, they discuss their relationship and the things that they've been through, the heartaches that they had been through, the times they struggled and was broke and just, you know, kept going. 
he really has supported her and her dream. And so now that her dreams are coming to fruition, she wanted to retire her husband. Now, Wendy Williams, we all know the story about her and her um, her husband, her ex-husband, and the things that she's been through. So she was trying to, I guess, nonetheless, give her, I guess, want to say like premonition, like don't do that because when you do, they turn on you. I don't know if um, her husband is going to turn on her. I don't know. No one knows that, right? But I, what I do know is that there's no way, like my husband, there's no way I could care less about what somebody thought about me if I decided to say to my husband, don't work because I got it. I really wouldn't care. And to be honest with you, he wouldn't care either because we and my husband know the struggles that we've gone through, right? We know the things that it took to get to a certain place. So for Tabitha and her husband, that works for them. Wendy Williams had a really rocky relationship. Her husband, I, I think from what I watched, the thing was their um, story was that he was a mentally and emotionally abusive and even physically at some times. Um, he also controlled everything that she did. He set all of the deals. Tabitha husband is not her manager at all. Uh, Tabitha has actually been represented by one of the biggest um, companies in the world. One of the ones that everybody wants to be represented by. So there's a lot of differences and I get Wendy's well, you know, intentions, but you know, some people, it just, you know, that's what they choose to do. And listen, I can't talk about Tabitha's marriage as far as what I know about them. I can only go by what they put out and they're putting out the fact that, listen, we were out here in these streets trying to make things work with their, their young family. Me and my husband, we're out here trying to make things work all the time with our young family. It is very real when you're trying to build together. A lot of times when you're in relationships and they don't work, you come from a place of feeling really, not necessarily bitter. I won't say it bitter, but you're more cautious. And so for me, I would say my level of, of understanding my husband and my personal level of saying that. I'm in support of my husband doing whatever he needs to do. When I get to that level, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Now, if my husband decides to do whatever, I still won't be able to go on record and say that he did me wrong as far as how we got to that place. But if he chose to go astray, he chose to go astray. Listen, I can't hold my husband's uh, situation. I can't hold him all around the city in the world. If some point he is away from me and decides to do something, I'll fix, I'll get to that point and deal with it at that point. But I can't basically stalk my husband 24 seven, hoping he's not going to do something wrong. And I think we have to get to that point where we really trust. And although trust does bring the level of pain that if somebody breaks that trust, it's just going to be what it's going to be. And I just pray that God would help those who get to that point. But I see nothing wrong with a wife saying my husband has been 100% supportive. And now I'm going to go ahead and support him. I just don't see it. Some of the things that I do for my own mental health, and I want to say these are just suggestions that I think work for me. They may or may not work for you. I've been very candid about making sure that I do some form of self-care. For me, that may be, to be simple, it could be a nap. One of the things that I love to do outside of using the Calm app recently is I love to listen to podcasts. My podcast selections is all over the place. And they really are. So one of the, the podcasts that I listened to was called The Sugar, um, The Sugar Podcast. That um, it is basically, it's like a brown mama space. And it talks about, you know, being a mother, black mother. And I love it. So if you've never heard of The Sugar, go ahead and give that a listen. My other podcast I listen to is Demetria L. Lucas. 
Um, if you followed her, you know very well. She's very funny, hilarious, talks about a lot of the um, pop um, culture things that are coming out. Um, I love listening to her. Um, I love listening to Awakening the Awesome, of which I just became a, a, a guest host. I was a guest host on an episode. I'm going to put that in the show notes. It was amazing to literally tell my story in a way that was completely safe. And just for me to just say, like, this is what I went through and this is how I got out. Um, a lot of people can't do that. A lot of people cannot put themselves out there. For me, that does not bother me to say that this is something that I struggle with because listen, I'm a firm believer of let me tell it before you tell it. I can do a whole better job because people only know one side of it and I can tell you the whole side of it. I can tell you exactly what down. I can tell you how I messed up. I can tell you how I fumbled. I can tell you how I tripped, slipped and fell. I can tell you all those things. And at the time of me going through 90% of those things, they were were painful period they were just painful painful experiences that I was going through you never see yourself coming out of it you know you're supposed to have faith but reality was I wasn't really in the most faithful you know frame of mind I was in a bad way I was misunderstood I was also out of control I was also toxic at points but just getting through some of the most difficult situations lets me know that when I do get into something now like my husband and I have this thing so when we get into something, something happens, um, you know, whatever it may be, big or small, we'll say to each other, well, remember when such and such happened and we came out, we kind of remind each other of the fact that we are fully aware that there has been hard times in our lives. There has been hard times in our marriage. There's been hard times as a family. And the things that we try to do is just remind each other that there's always the other side of it. And again, there are times that one of us is up. And times when one of us is down, even when my children, they get through their little um, trials, their little upsetness, you know, the pandemic has been working a number on our kids because they kids thrive and learn by socializing and not being able to do those things has in my thought process has hurt them in a lot of ways. Yes, they're going to be fine. Yes, kids always seem to bounce back and recover. But they've been through some things, you know, just trying to gravel and get their mind together about us being in the house. It wasn't easy for anybody, but we always like to remind them. Remember when you were in that situation, it just seemed impossible. Like always trying to encourage someone to be their best self. Like that's always been my thing. I can't guarantee you that life is going to be great. I cannot personally guarantee you that everything is going to just be the greatest thing since sliced bread. What I can tell you is that the most situations where I felt like I couldn't even breathe, I was able to take even if it was a small little puff and get through it. I've had hard, hard times in my own personal life before I was married, before um, my husband and I got together and got broke up and then got together. I mean, we have a story. And as a woman on my own, I've been through things that I wouldn't wish on my daughters. I wouldn't wish for some of the things and some of the, the hard headedness that I had in life. Some of the things that I just was going to do and didn't care about other people's feelings. When I did and said things that didn't matter because I was being selfish and I was just like, this is what I'm going to be. And this is what I choose to do at this moment. I wouldn't wish that for my daughters to go that way. I hope that they would choose better, right? Because no parent wants their child to go through difficult things just to go through them. But I hope that I can be an example to them that if they should get into something bad, and that's the same goes for you. Listen, you're hearing me, you're listening to this while you're on your bike, you may be working out, you might be trying to do laundry and the kids is doing the most, you might be in your car struggling down the road, maybe even have tears in your eyes. And I'm gonna tell you right now, 
I have been through some things that have made me cry from the time I left one location to the time I got to the other and having to clean my face up and act like everything was okay when I was falling apart and broken in so many places. There has been times when my whole foundation had been completely shook and I just knew for a fact I was never going to come to the other side. I am telling you that you will. I have had times when I've had no money and I was too stubborn to ask for help, too stubborn to ask family and friends to rescue me and made dumb decisions because of that. And I came through on the other side. I've had times where I felt like I was going to physically die because some of the things that I've had gotten into, whether they were car accidents or surgeries, or I've actually had trauma that's happened to me. And I did not think I started to ask God to help me and prepare my family because I didn't think I was going to make it, but I came through. A lot of times we think that we are unicorns in this world, that the things that we are going through are just unique to us and that no one else is going through these hard times. And why me? I'm going to hold my tears back, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I don't know why you're going through that. But what I do know is that I pray that my testimony, the things that I'm telling you, the things that you're feeling, the things that you're hearing will be an example to let you know that there is a way out of the worst of your life. And in the midst of the mistakes that I've made in my life, that if I can get up, dust myself off, cry through it, pray through it, use wisdom, get therapy, change my life decisions, start hanging with the right people, getting the right people up underneath me and around me, stop hanging with people who I thought were just friends and family that I thought loved. I had to shake all of those things. God allowed me to be in some situations where I had no really person to really depend on. A lot of that was because of my decisions. I isolated people too, but I will just tell you this. There is hope to get through. You can, and you will come out on the other side. It will hurt like hell. You will learn lots of lessons. You will burn some bridges. Some of those bridges will never get rebuilt. I would love to tell you that every friendship that I've had that we just, you know, rode off to the friendship sunset, I've lost friends. I've lost family members that don't respect me because they were so upset about something that I said and did that they're not willing to forgive. I've had to cut off some family members that I didn't respect because of the things that were said and done. But I do know that there is grace. And I also know that there is enough grace that can pull me from the hardest of things and not just pull me out and then say, because you were bad, now you can just do whatever you want. No, I had to humble myself and say I was wrong for a lot of things that were said and done. And also that gives me the strength to forgive someone. And even if I never entertain them again, even if we never go back to the relationship that we had, I still came out of something. One of the hardest things when you're, when you're by yourself, if someone who's listening to this that doesn't have a boyfriend, doesn't have a husband, doesn't have a girlfriend, doesn't have a wife, is that feeling of isolation, that feeling of when will it ever be my turn? If you've had a bad relationship, a bad divorce, and you're like, what is it about me that attracted somebody to do these things to me? Sometimes it's just about not looking at those red flags. Sometimes it's just a lesson that needed to be learned. Maybe you'll come out and you'll find Prince Charming and Princess and this thing will just ride off into the wind. But maybe you'll just get really real about the things that are just genuinely important to you. We romanticize some things that maybe shouldn't be. Because sometimes there may be things that we really need to just get through so we can learn some things and then move along with our lives. 
And you can be single and you can be okay with being single and you can go get these passports and you can do on your um, passport stamps and you can really travel and you can do all those things. But for me, I wish that anybody, whether you're with someone or you're by yourself, that you would be happy and whole. I have been in a relationship with my husband for many years. And these last few years after doing the work, I have finally felt like I was happy and whole that I love my husband, but I can be whole and happy with or without him. Right. Not that I wouldn't be devastated, but being whole and happy with another individual, it's a beautiful thing because you hear things differently when you're happy and whole with another person. A lot of things that you keep just highlighting and high fiving is because you're not happy or whole. And so you allow certain things to happen and to continue because you feel like this is supposed to be how it goes. But when you get happy and you get whole, you hear differently. You see differently. You don't put up with a lot of different things because you know better. When you're happy and you're whole, especially when you're whole, you can have things that can shake your happiness, right? But when there's real joy on the inside of you, that means that you see life the way that life was meant to be to live and you can weed out the good and the bad and you just have a different eyesight and a vision. I'm telling you, being happy and whole, it'll change your whole perspective. There's even when you're when things are even when doors are closed, but you're happy and whole, you will continue to do the work and find a different door. You will find a different way because your perspective is clear and it's clean. I adjure you, if you don't feel happy and you don't feel whole, I adjure you to find what that's going to be. Not self-soothe with things that are going to hurt you, but really look deep down in yourself and figure that part out. Get some help to help you get that to get to that point. I didn't do this on my own. I could never go on record to say I just woke up one day and I just changed. That's a whole lie and a half. But being happy and whole, happy and whole changes the perspective. It changes the game, changes the way you walk, the way you talk, the way you look at life, the way you look at other people. You can really see people for who they really are when you get really happy and you get whole. So my hope, my joy, my prayer or whatever you would choose to use for you is for you to be happy and whole. That's the only way that I can do life the way that I do it. It's not because I'm on some false positivity. It's just I choose to be happy and whole. And guess what? That's a journey. I'm, you don't just get happy and whole and just ride out. You have to continue to be happy and whole. Then you, when things happen, you got to heal those parts. If you don't heal it, I promise you it's not going to go away. It's going to come back in a different form. That's why you can date somebody and find them in another person because you never got happy and whole from the last person you were dating or seeing. You got to get happy and you got to get whole. I will see you next Friday. We have a guest. I will be announcing that guest on social media. So remember, follow me on Toy Time Blog so that you can see who that guest will be. She's an amazing dynamic woman. I cannot wait for you to hear her. She is absolutely everything and plus. So I will see you next Friday. Enjoy your long anticipated weekend. I know I personally will. Have a great weekend. Do whatever makes you happy in retrospect. Find out what that true, true happiness is. But enjoy your weekend. And make sure that you support. Share this uh, podcast with someone else. Review. Subscribe. Do all of the things. I promise you. It's the Lord's will. I will be back next week so we can talk and handle it some more. 
Thank you as always for joining me. And I know that even in the deepest or joyful conversations, that there's something we can learn and apply. Until next time, I hope that you are doing better. If not, we will be back to talk some more and handle it. Peace to you and yours. Stay grounded.